Today on The Topping Show, Miller Lite embodies the ultimate hypocrisy, anti-capitalist cafe shop goes out of business, proof Hillary Clinton lied about Trump and Russia, Home Depot stock is down, Twitter buys Liseki, Twitter shareholder meeting highlights succession, OpenAI CEO wants regulation, all that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Now, recently, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman went before lawmakers and is urging them to pass regulations that would, quote, manage the potential downsides, unquote, of generative intelligence without stifling innovation. Now, he notes that ChatGDP could be a, quote, printing press moment, unquote, but optimized, it will create, quote, fantastic jobs, unquote. Now, for those who have not been in the news lately, Open Chat and OpenChat AI particularly, is basically a magic box that you ask questions and it gives you answers to, and it actually will create things for you. Of course, behind that magic box is a whole bunch of technology utilizing all the data it could possibly gather. Also, it's concerning that it's also very left-leaning in terms of the political ideologies. The technology is only as good as the people who create the technology, and it was created by folks on the West Coast, so not all too surprising. Many people are concerned about the loss of jobs that could result from this in terms of this chat GDP tool is so clever, or I guess it's not sentient, so it's not clever, it's created, it's so brilliantly engineered, perhaps more appropriately to call it. You can actually send it requests, so write me a funny story about Trump and Biden grabbing coffee on an airplane. It'll create a comical story all on its own without having you having to input more data into the system. And it's fascinating, people are already using it to write cover letters, to write comedy sketches, and the technology is just becoming being cheaper and better over time. And it certainly could have a huge impact on the economy and jobs similar to the printing press. There's a lot of concerns that people will be out of work. I think that's mainly due to people being lazy in terms of every time we have a huge technological leap, whether it's the printing press, industrial revolution, it does eliminate old jobs. So old jobs are lost, but new jobs are created. If you look at the automotive community, going from traditional internal combustion engines to EVs, you're gonna have a greater loss of jobs in terms of the manufacturing of components. There's less parts that make an EV vehicle. There's also less parts to maintain in certain areas of the vehicle, but there's a lot more jobs being created in engineering and computer. All the technology behind those is obviously is basically a computer on wheels at that point. So it created new jobs. Now the debate is perhaps more accurately, what will that ratio be of jobs lost to jobs created? Now Altman did also emphasize that the government and industry should work together to build safeguards that will prevent the upsurge in AI powered disinformation, identity fraud and other social harms. I say, I say disinformation with somewhat contempt just because it's so arbitrary. It's based on what you believe in these days and my favorite example is just watch Fox, watch CNN, watch the different outlets, and you'll have the same event. You'll be told five or six different times. And there's usually a kernel of truth underlying many of the things, but disinformation is more often than not, the way I see it is just as a political cudgel to, be, to bludger your opponents, say, oh no, they're wrong. We can complain about the 2016 election. That was, uh, that was totally rigged. That you could talk about, but the other elections, if you even if you even whiff or mention 
that you have any concern, then you're immediately, you were, especially early after the election, blacklisted. You were actually censored on social media. People lost jobs. Ridiculous. So it'll be interesting to see how do they do that. And this technology, open AI and similar platforms like that, it's gotten to the point where they can impersonate a family member's voice to scam family members. So it's not just the rope, you know, someone gives you a cold call or more accurately a robot calls you. If you remember in the past, it traditionally sounded like a robot. It was pretty artificial. It's gotten a lot better throughout the years. But now if they can actually copy those voices that you're already in tune with, that's gonna be a, a huge security concern for businesses and end users. So it'll be interesting to see how technology evolves. I'm always skeptical when businesses go to the government asking for help in regulation. More often than not, I'm usually concerned it's gonna give them a competitive advantage. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have Tesla shareholder meeting that occurred recently and it highlighted Elon's, Elon's succession plan. Now, the shareholders also voted to elect former CTO and co-founder J.B. Struble to the board of directors. Prior to that, Tesla's 20, through the Tesla's 2023 shareholder meeting, Tesla's eight-person board was comprised of Musk, his brother Kimball Musk, you have Ira, you have Robin Denholm, Hiroshi Mizu, Joe Gabia, James Murdoch, Mer, and Kathleen Wilson-Thompson. Granted, I am terrible with actual pronunciations, so I apologize if you know someone there and I butchered their name. Now. Struble currently runs the battery materials and the recycling company that he founded. And he'll take over the spot vacated by Mizuno. Now, the former chief, uh, chief investment officer of Japan's $1.5 trillion pension fund. So Mizuno joined the board and its audit, audit committee back in 2020. Now, Elon's also getting a lot more involved now that he's chosen the new CEO of Twitter, probably to his demise, time shall tell, but he's starting to refocus back onto Tesla and he's getting to the point where, again, he's going to be interviewing every single person they hire, which is a pretty OCD to do, thing to do, but it also gave him a good control of the company in terms of who they're hiring and what kind of work ethics they have. Historically, he likes to hire people who actually want to work for a living, which that sample size seems to be decreasing every single day. But granted, there's still some hardworking people who want to actually make a dent in the universe, thankfully, and it's all about trying to find those people. So now he's becoming, again, directly involved in those hiring processes. They will probably have an increase, or most likely have an increase in their talent pool and be able to go, hopefully go back to making leading edge technologies. The biggest concern of the shareholders is the competition is catching up quick and the rate of innovation from Tesla, they are concerned is not as breakneck speed as it used to be. I remember, I believe it was Nissan or another automotive company tore down a Tesla a couple years ago they're in all. They said this is 10 years ahead of where their company was at when it came to EV technology. So it'll be interesting to see if they can maybe reaccelerate that gap between the competition. Now, other businesses, you have Home Depot. Their stock is down about 2%, which is the biggest of the Dow Jones, as well as the S&P 500. This is after they cut their annual forecast, as well as their annual projected profit, which again, it might help them later in the year when they exceed the expectations, but it's also one of the things where it scares shareholders because you're decreasing the amount of money you're telling us you think you can make as well as the profit you think you can make. Although I don't think people should be too concerned since their biggest competitor, Lowe's, they also had a summer stock decrease. Their stock went down about 1.6%. So 
it'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people are talking about how travel has been increasing exponentially. More people are leaving their houses since the government will allow them to. And they've already made the home repairs that a lot of people did during peak COVID when people were improving their house because they were spending a lot more time there. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have a anti-capitalist coffee shop going out of business. Who would have thought? So this was a coffee shop in a foreign fairy tale land called Toronto, Canada. Kidding, obviously. Now, the Toronto-based coffee shop has also had a quote-unquote pay-what-you-can model. And they certainly, in terms of marketing, they were different. They're little nice little standy sign you see at like the, the street or the sidewalk and walks past the store the coffee shop is called the anarchist coffee shop and their sign said the anarchist pro-abortion coffee and shop unquote and i did some research they do not slip plan b into the coffees which given their lack of morals they might do but a weird thing to advertise again as a coffee shop it's one thing, a lot of businesses do donate to lobbyists and political figures so they can get initiatives that are directly correlated to their business. Like if you're a soda company, you're probably going to want to say, hey, we should have an increase in subsidies for corn syrup or corn farmers because they make corn syrup, which is what they put in our swill. That's correlated to the business, the main thing you make. We are seeing an exponential increase in businesses taking political stands. Time shall tell if that's fiscally well for them as well. But... The whole store is described as anti-capitalism, anti-anarchist shop, which I am a whole heart proponent of a foreign exchange program where we take those people and we just say, hey, you love this. We're going to take you to Venezuela, Cuba. You can live there for a year. Let us know your experience with communism. Let us know. What do you think? There's a reason everyone escapes Cuba, including my family, and there's a reason they no longer live there. But education levels in the United States as well as Canada are, are seemingly precipitously sliding every single year, especially history class. A couple of weeks ago, the United States is all time low for history scores, which unfortunately is perhaps the point so that you become more dependent on government. I digress. But this coffee shop, hilariously, they don't like capitalism. But they sold some exceedingly profitable things. They had a F Bezos sticker for $5.75 plus shipping and handling, a sticker. Now, my technology company, I buy stickers because people like swag, and we buy high quality vinyl stickers. And given the size, they're usually about, I'll say maybe at most 43 cents for a small one, $1.25 for the large one. And the stickers that they're selling are actually lesser quality. They're the ones that are like paper thin. And he wants $5.75 plus shipping and handling. What's it cost to ship that? It's You put it in an envelope? It weighs nothing. And they also had a t-shirt that said, this is hilarious, a t-shirt. So it was a crappy t-shirt with, it was designed by a three-year-old. Well, probably, well, mentally, but nevertheless. All it had was a little font and it said, people over profit. But the t-shirt cost $40. So a t-shirt that the message of the t-shirt is that profit is bad and people are good, but you're paying $40 for a t-shirt. How does that make any sense? Well, it doesn't. That's usually the detriment. Most people who are anti most people who believe in communism and anarchy, most of them are logic and 
you know, it's like oil and water. It's logic, reason. You can try really hard to mix it, but fun little home experiment. Yeah, they don't really, they don't really mix. Now, in terms of the pay what you can idea, they had the brilliant owner. He thought it would be a good idea to have them subsidize. His logic was, well, you have this coffee, and we'll just subsidize it with more expensive drinks. And the only one that you can get for free or the pay what you can was the drip coffee, which it that's what I prefer just because I'm I'm a simple old soul. I just want some black coffee, a little ice in it so I can chug it like an energy drink. But in terms of the actual, actual economics of that coffee, that's the cheapest coffee you can make. It's literally just coffee beans ground up. And it's just, they call it a drip coffee. It just drips down. You're not adding any artificial sweeteners. They'll kill you in three years, allegedly. I joke, I have no idea how long it'll take. I just know if I can't pronounce it, I'm a little hesitant about what I consume. Nevertheless, it's one of those things where it's really simple to make. It costs pennies to make. So that was the one they were giving away. And the most hilarious thing, the moronic owner said when they closed, I think the last last date is May 30th that they're open. So if you want your anarchist pro-abortion coffee, go to that store now if that's what you believe in. Again, bizarre to advertise that on your front door. Now, the moronic owner said, quote, Unfortunately, the lack of generational wealth seed capital from ethically bankrupt sources left me unable to weather the quiet winter season or to grow in a way that need ended that needed to be sustainable long term. Unquote. Well, obviously, who would the who would give you money if your if your your company hates money, hates capitalism, hates I know you're selling that profit margin on that sticker has got to be what, 300, 400, 500%? Although they're purportedly against that business practice. And if you look at their Instagram, they sell, they, they, they say they sell books at wholesale. That's not free. Is that evil? According to them. And of course, all the books were radically extreme left wing books. But of course, no one's going to invest in that company. That, it's not just. You can't have a company whose sole purpose is to break even or lose money, unless you're the government. Private sector, you have to work a little hard. But a bizarre thing to do, and it's just a cultural thing, there's more and more people believing that communism is good and capitalism is bad. Yet everything these people consume on a daily basis is the result of capitalism. My favorite is when people are tweeting from an iPhone. The most profitable, one of the most successful businesses in history is Apple. I believe it's 2019. They were the most profitable company on the planet. More profitable than oil companies, than data companies. A great business achievement, and that's what allows them to give exceptional customer service to make a product that's premium. And that's a good thing, because it creates millions more. They're one of the top employers on the planet, which, which allows their people to enrich their lives exponentially. It gives opportunity to work hard and move up the corporate ladder which I would say is uniquely American in that regard. But it is a bizarre and sad cultural thing to see more and more people have a disdain for the very thing that gives them everything in life. Even people who don't work for a living and just get free government handouts, they get those bad, it's because other people are working hard and the government takes, steals that, I mean, you pay taxes, they don't, you pay taxes, they don't steal, of course not. Although if you don't pay the proper amount, you go to jail. Again. Hire a really good accountant and triple check everything because I always tell people, 
you never get in trouble for overpaying on taxes. If you underpay, your life will go to hell really quick. So that's what I always tell people. My two cents or three cents for the day. It used to be two cents. Thanks. Unfortunately, inflation's it's rough. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast and politics in advance, I'll have to read a little bit more off the screen than usual because there's a lot of content here. There's actually proof finally coming to the surface that Hillary Clinton lied about Trump and Russia. Now, the Durham report recently showed that they used U.S. tax dollars to, talk, to target Trump before and after he was elected. More great ta- more tax dollars at work. Hard at work. Now, this is also thanks to a report by the Daily Mail, and they reported, quote, the PR firm called Trump a mad, mad, and was behind the false golden showers claims. During reports revealed that Donald Trump never stayed at that Moscow suite at the center of the salacious story, and how the FBI wanted to keep paying the Steele dossier source $300,000 after he lied. I can't imagine... I believe the average U.S. salary or U.S. income is in the 30s, like $36,000 last time I checked. $300,000 for false information. Wow, that is a lot of cash. Now, the newly revealed text message allegedly proves that lawyer Michael Sussman lied to the FBI, hid his links to the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign when he presented the bureau with purported links between Donald Trump and a Russian bank. In a Monday court filing, special counsel John Durham replaced a 2016 exchange between Sussman and the FBI counsel James Baker, in which the former asked the agent for a meeting with a meeting the night before they were face-to-face. Quote, Indeed, on September 18, 2016, at 7.24 p.m., i.e. the night before the defendant met with the general counsel, the defendant conveyed the same lie in writing and sent the following text message to the general counsel's personal cell phone, unquote. Sussman goes out of his way to claim... He was operating, quote, on his own. He's currently being accused of lying and arranging to meet with Baker on behalf of the Clinton presidential campaign and tech executive Rodney Joff. Joffe. Now, Durham's four-year investigation that concluded the FBI never had credible grounds to investigate Trump's link to Russia before the election and didn't find an inclusion, despite the lack of substantiation, the allegations were fed to the media and jumped on by Democrats and critics. If you remember the actual campaigns, and after the 2016 election, every two minutes, all you heard was Russia. Now, interestingly enough, the U.S. and Russia never, the, Russia didn't, one, it's the first time in many years Russia didn't invade another country. I digress. But a lot of people are saying, oh yeah, a lot of, people, a lot of heads are going to roll. People are going to get fired over this. Republicans are going to jump on it, which is another cliche thing. Democrats are opportunistic when things come up. But if Republicans do it, they're jumping on it. Hypocrisy is a theme of today's episode, as you'll hear with the other business part of the day. But maybe I'm a little jaded and a little pessimistic. I don't think Republicans are going to do anything about this. They should. If they were, if they were smart and they actually want to take some political initiatives and win some political points, as well as restore some semblance of faith from United States citizens, yes, people would lose jobs and be prosecuted for these things. But... How many people are really confident anyone will even get even a even a temporary suspension of their role because of this? Very few people these days are confident that that will actually happen. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, we have Miller Lite and the ultimate hypocrisy 
and they're also deleting social media in a frenzy as people are discovering all of these snafus. Now, their chief marketing officer, moron, I mean officer um, of Molson Colors, Owens Miller Light, is Sophia Kaliki, who she was behind the recent ad where they say women invented beer and we're going to buy and destroy history by buying our old standees, which are the cardboard cutouts with the attractive women holding the beer and other advertising campaigns. And we're going to destroy them to make compost for hops and give those hops to women brewers. Which, of course, is one of those disgusting things. I've never, I've read many history books and I've read many books in general. I have yet to find the good guys ever burning books. And one of my favorite quotes is from Indiana Jones where Dr. Jones, played by Sean Connery, they're asked, you know, what does this book tell you? He says, he tells me goose steps morlons should try reading books instead of burning them, unquote. Which, I know that was not the best Sean Connery. You're, you're, it might cause a little ear damage there. Nevertheless, it was the attempt. And it's one of those things where I don't know who this person thinks they are, but her whole career, so Sophia, she actually wore scant, she wore underwear and swimsuits to promote brands throughout her whole career. She was a, I wouldn't say she's an attractive model, but she was a model, perhaps above average, some might say. So she profited off of that campaigns. She profited off her image, capitalism, good for her. My issue with her is when now she came out with this commercial where, of course, she's wearing a, like a, a bunch of clothing, not showing hardly any skin. And more importantly, she's saying the past commercials were unethical and basically evil. You mean the commercials you made? The commercials you profited off of? The campaigns that you orchestrated? So not only is she extremely hypocritical, it gets worse. She's also extremely, extremely political. And again, if you're a business that creates a product that is designed to be consumed by most anyone, one would think you wouldn't want to get into politics. Topping Technologies, IT company I do, we don't say who you should vote for. We don't put on their LinkedIn page, hey, vote for this person. We sell technology, technology services, and we assist businesses secure those companies and use IT to accelerate their business initiatives. Now, she actually, now that she's older, she's becoming feminist, covering up, and she's praised gun control. She said you should get the jab in regard to the COVID-19. She praised George Floyd as a saint, who many people remember the police stood on his back. He was high on fentanyl. He did pass away. He also held a pregnant woman at gunpoint to rob her in his past. So he had a very high criminal record in the past. I don't think he should have. There are conflicting reports on how he died in terms of regards of was he high on fentanyl or was it because of the police subduing him? I don't think anyone's saying he should have, few people are saying he deserved to die, but to say he was a saint having a career of robbing and abusing people, I don't know how that's a good marketing move for a beer company or a person representing a beer company to purport. And she also had armpit hair in many of her com commercials and pictures, which it's been over 2000 years. I, I forget how, uh, for eons, that has not been a thing and it will continue to not be a thing. It's, it's one of those bizarre things they keep trying to push. It's just, no. Now, I don't know why these companies keep alienating their core customers. Do The only business 
logical reason I could think is that they think the new customers will be so much greater. But statistically, like if you look at the breakdown of who drinks their products, who consumes them, with the current demographics, that's not possible. It might be in the future, but to have such hypocrisy where they're deleting all the social media that she used to have because it contradicts everything she's currently pretending to stand for, I don't know if it's authentic or not. I, or not. I would say probably not because she's now profited off of both sides of the subject. She's been a model, and now she's saying models are bad and evil. And Miller Lite, they are already being ratioed beautifully on Twitter. I believe they had a Mother's Day tweet a couple of days ago. They are up 400 likes. The first and most popular response actually re-uploaded the commercial they deleted, which was the one where they say women invented beer, men are bad, we're going to destroy history. And he said, we don't forget about this. My mom will not drink your beer. We don't forget. And that got 1,500 likes within like an hour or two. So as the children, or as the youth might say, they were ratioed. And as they continue to delete this, it further confirms that it's a business blunder because they're scared it's going to hurt their sales. They did not get the sales uptick that they were calculating, or she's just doing this because she's an activist. Those are the only two theories I could think of of why these gals, another one being Alyssa Heidrichfeld and Anheuser-Busch, the only two reasons they did this was to increase sales or for activism. Now, increasing sales, given this given the audience that they're trying to target, unless the demographics of the United States change, which they are constantly evolving, long-term, maybe, but they're also publicly traded companies. Those companies thrive on fiscal quarterly results. That's actually a detriment or a downside of being a publicly traded company. It's harder to make long-term business decisions because many people who are investing in them want the quarterly results, the quarterly dividends, the upside. So. For them to completely be so hypocritical, that's got to be this business. They're they're already boycotts being called for this. And if they did nothing, they would have had an exponential increase in sales. When the Bud Light boycott began, they were one of the number one winners of the whole fiasco because their sales were increasing exponentially. And with one single tweet and one person poorly representing the company, they are going to be boycotted it i it's inevitable i think so maybe yalings will be the only true american beer left they're family owned for, for and also the oldest brewery in the united states but for miller light to be so hypocritical i mean that is that has to be the business blunder of the day thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today can't thank you enough for telling your friends about this and sharing liking subscribing commenting it really helps the channel out also again don't forget to tell your family tell your friends tell your co-workers tell your enemies tech Heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.